the claim to own speech itself throughout the world. Hmm. And so like two preposterous things. First, you claim to own speech, not the speech of yourself, but the speech of others. And not just those within your vicinity, but those on the other side of the planet. Like how ludicrous that is. Uh, it, it's baffling. And the exact same argument now, 20 years later, can be made with Bitcoin. Right? Bitcoin is just speech. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the What Is Money show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, if this is your first time listening to the What Is Money show, I strongly recommend that you go back to episodes one through nine first, which lays a lot of the groundwork for many of the concepts that we explore on the show. These first nine episodes are my series with Michael Saylor and thousands of people have told me that this is the best podcast series they've ever heard, hands down, and that it was instrumental to their understanding of money and Bitcoin. So if you're looking to start uh, a deep dive into the nature of money, I don't think there's any place better that you can start other than episode one of this show. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. The What Is Money show is 100% sponsor based. So all of our revenues are derived from direct sponsorships. And I strive to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically only using sponsors that I use personally, and also choosing sponsors that have values which are well aligned to the values expressed on this show, such as freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm going to do now is a few ad reads right at the top of the show, and then I'll do a few more ad reads in the middle. And I hope you'll take the time to listen to them, as again, these are hand-selected sponsors, and I think you'll like what they have to offer. Today's podcast is brought to you by N. Wolf's Clothing. Wolf is the first startup accelerator dedicated exclusively to the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Four times per year, Wolf brings teams from around the world to New York City to work with like-minded entrepreneurs, pushing the boundaries of what's possible with Bitcoin and Lightning. The program is designed to help early-stage companies achieve product market fit, develop their brand, secure early-stage funding, and grow businesses that help fuel the global adoption of Bitcoin. So go to wolfnyc.com to learn more about the program or apply. Again, that's WolfNYC, W-O-L-F-N-Y-C.com. Max Hillebrand, welcome back to the What Is Money show. Yeah, thanks, Rob, again for the invite. And hello and welcome to the listeners. I'm really excited to be back. I've been loving the Crypto Anarchy series so far. Uh, and we have another amazing piece uh, for this round. Yes, I think this is our third installment of the Crypto Anarchy series. Uh, you and I have done a series previously on The Ethics of Liberty by Rothbard. Uh, but in this series, we've been going through some excellent written pieces that have that are sort of foundational to the cypherpunk ethos. Um, and this time, we're going to be going through the piece written by John Perry Barlow titled A Declaration of the Independence of Cyberspace. And so just like last time, we're going to start by reading through this piece in its entirety. It's not that long, just three pages or so. And then we will go through each paragraph of the written piece and sort of dissect it and discuss it. And so with that, we're going to have you, Sir Max, do the honors of reading through this thing. 
A Declaration of the Independence of Cyberspace by John Barry Barlow. Governments of the industrial world, you weary giants of flesh and steel, I come from cyberspace, the new home of mind. On behalf of the future, I ask you of the past to leave us alone. You are not welcome among us. You have no sovereignty where we gather. We have no elected government, nor are we likely to have one. So I address you with no greater authority than that which liberty itself always speaks. I declare the global social space we are building to be naturally independent of the tyrannies you seek to impose on us. You have no moral right to rule us, nor do you possess any method of enforcement we have true reason to fear. Governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. You have neither solicited nor received ours. We did not invite you. You do not know us, nor do you know our world. Cyberspace does not lie within your borders. Do not think that you can build it as though it were a public construction project. You cannot. It is an act of nature, and it grows itself through our collective actions. You have not engaged in our great and gathering conversation, nor did you create the wealth of our marketplaces. You do not know our culture, our ethics, or our unwritten codes that already provide our society more order than could be obtained by any of your impositions. You claim there are problems among us that you need to solve. You use this claim as an excuse to invade our precincts. Many of these problems do not exist. Where there are real conflicts, where there are wrongs, we will identify them and address them by our means. We are forming our own social contract. This governance will arise according to the conditions of our world, not yours. Our world is different. Cyberspace consists of transactions, relationships, and thought itself, arrayed like a standing wave in the web of our communications. Ours is a world that is bound, that is both everywhere and nowhere, but it is not where bodies live. We are creating a world that all may enter without privilege or prejudice, according to race, economic power, military force, or station, or birth. We are creating a world where anyone, anywhere, may express his or her beliefs, no matter how singular, without fear of being coerced into silence or conformity. Your legal concepts of property, expression, identity, movement, and context do not apply to us. They are all based on matter, and there is no matter here. Our identities have no bodies, so, unlike you, we cannot obtain order by physical coercion. We believe that from ethics, enlightened self-interest, and the common weal, our governance will emerge. Our identities may be distributed across many of your jurisdictions. The only law that all of our consti constituent cultures would generally recognize is the golden rule. We hope we will be able to build our particular solutions on that basis, but we cannot accept the solutions you are attempting to impose. In the United States, you have today created a law, the Telecommunications Reform Act, which re repudiates your own constitution and insults the dreams of Jefferson, Washington, Mill, Madison, De Tocqueville, and Brandeis. These dreams must now be born anew in us. You are terrified of your own children. 
since they are natives in a world where you will always be immigrants. Because you fear them, you entrust your bureaucracies with the parental responsibilities, you are too cowardly to confront yourself. In our world, all the sentiments and expressions of humanity from the debasing of the angelic are parts of a seamless whole, the global conversation of bits. We cannot separate the air that chokes from the air upon which wings beat. In China, Germany, France, Russia, Singapore, Italy, and the United States, you are trying to ward off the virus of liberty by erecting guard posts at the frontiers of cyberspace. These may keep out the contagion for a small time, but they will not work in a world that will soon be blanketed by bits-bearing media. Your increasingly obsolete information industries would perpetuate themselves by proposing laws in America and elsewhere that claim to own speech itself throughout the world. These laws would declare ideas to, uh, to be another industrial product, no more noble than pig iron. In our world, whatever the human mind may create can be reproduced and distributed infinitely at no cost. The global conveyance of thought no longer requires your factories to accomplish. These increasingly hostile and colonial measures place us in the same position as those previous lovers of freedom and self-determination who had to reject the authorities of distant, uninformed powers. We must declare our virtual selves immune to your sovereignty, even as we continue to consent to your rule over our bodies. We will spread ourselves across the planet so that no one can arrest our thoughts. We will create a civilization of the mind in cyberspace. May it be more humane and fair than the world your governments have made before. Written in Davos, Switzerland, February 8th, 1996. Wow. Very powerful. Um, the fact is it was written in 1996 too. So this is really 20, 25 years before the commercial yeah. internet really took off. This is before Google. This is before eBay. Right? Yeah. It's before PayPal. It's crazy. Do it's, you know much about the author? Like what was his, what, how did he, was he just, uh, is he, I guess, is he a cypherpunk and was he just at the cutting edge of, of, uh, digital technology or what's his deal? Yeah, exactly. John Barry Perlow was, was a, a writer, you know, a, a thinker, uh, and, um, a, a poet basically. Hmm. Um, he wrote, um, a lyrical, uh, like the lyrics to a lot of Grateful Dead songs. Oh, um, cool. and, uh, then later established the electronic frontier foundation eff.org right a, oh. a, a, a extremely important think tank um uh, or yeah just collaboration of, of people who well declare the independence of cyberspace right and oh. were very uh, influential in in the the body of thought at that time as mm -hmm. well then in in regulation right and and fight against overreaching regulation mm. uh, so yes he was pretty influential yeah it's really <clears throat> Really well written and um, quite the indictment of the existing political order. Um, and yeah, I like how he's painting the internet and cyberspace in general as kind of like a a new frontier, right? We this, this it reminded me of the sovereign individual where they talk about digital space or cyberspace being something like the high seas, 
a territory that's ungovernable effectively. And so, you know, still today we have international waters and, uh, and whatnot. So this idea that we have a new forum for transactions, expressions, communications that cannot, that a territory that cannot be governed effectively, um, it, it's almost like an, uh, anarcho-capitalist dream, right? This, this is, a kind of an ideal towards which the libertarian philosophy has always been striving. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, this, this builds on, on a way of thinking back then called the internet exceptionalism, where it basically says that, Hey, this, this internet thing, it's, it's extremely special. And it's something that we have not seen like this before. Mm. Uh, and therefore we need to be very careful with how we think about this and what, what actions we take, uh, within and, and outside of the internet and also what, what rules shall be imposed on this internet and, mm. and the people who act there within. Um, uh, you know, and uh, like the it was written in, in Davos at the World Economic Forum mm. uh, just after um, uh, I think George Bush uh, uh, integrate or uh, enacted that Telecommunications Reform Act, which which is later mentioned in the piece, um, which basically you know established a thought police. You know, people who can say what is not decent to to publish. Mm. Um, so, which words are illegal to speak and to reproduce uh, and to tell others? Uh, so this was. You know, even before the crypto wars, right, with, with mm. PGP and, and such, um, uh, but it it was definitely where this 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 well, fight bet between a, a free people who who may speak and a a uh, body of slaves who who will be told what to say uh, certainly started, uh, and therefore it is so 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 influential um, because it really embodied that that spirit of independence that the early pioneers of this technology mm. felt. Uh, and mm. I think it's it's very well very present to to later what comes with Bitcoin, uh, and and mm. that's why I think that that writings as such are extremely important for us Bitcoiners to to internalize and uh, to realize that this the the struggle that we are fighting right now is nothing new. Uh, it it has been going on for for a long time, um, especially in uh, with with this technology of of the internet. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. I. I, we almost take it for granted today, right? The internet has become just like a, another utility that we depend on, like electricity or or water or anything else. But it that taking it for granted um, might cause us to forget how significant of an innovation this really is, right? We have, mm -hmm. for the first time ever, I guess, I mean, I, I think ever that we have this forum for limitless free speech i mean i guess you could say the forum for free speech before was just physical space but that doesn't travel very far um and you know obviously you can write things you could distribute information via radio or television but those those were very few distribution channels that were then it, you know few throats to choke so to speak so they, they could be coerced and controlled somewhat easily but when you get into the age of the internet you have this permissionless peer-to-peer -peer media distribution model all you know you go from a handful of information distribution channels to everyone every individual in the world is capable of being a broadcaster and all of a sudden you know the the enforcement cost of trying to control all of that speech just becomes astronomical effectively so you get a, a forum for basically limitless free speech and then with bitcoin 
on top of the internet, but it's basically being the latest layer of the internet, you get borderless and stateless money. And that's just a total game changer as well. Um, so I guess, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's just hard to overstate how significant of a combination of innovations these are, the internet plus Bitcoin. And we're, we're still living through this experiment, right? We don't know where this thing goes, but it's uh, quite a tumultuous transitional time to be alive, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, for sure, right? And like, there is a huge transition, and that's alluded to in the very first sentence, right? Yeah. Governments of the industrial world, you weary giants of flesh and steel. Like, I mean, first of all, that's a that's beautiful prose, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and and it shows like these are these are old weary giants, like that mm -hmm. that have clearly accomplished a lot. I mean, look at the industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the like the progress up to 1996 was already absolutely staggering, right? Like mm -hmm. truly incredible on on what humankind has achieved in meat space up to that point. Mm -hmm. um, but but now we have the specter haunting the world, right? The specter coming from cyberspace, the new home of mind, where the home of mind, right? It's it's something that we like, I guess, didn't even think about that much in the past of like, what what are ideas and and what are these, these things that are not in meat space, that are not physical, not in flesh and steel, um, but but concepts and processes and uh, techniques and and history and and words, right? They and and why are they so so special, so unique? And I guess the internet, especially at that time, where was the first uh, glimpse of how extremely powerful the realm of numbers is and and mm. the realm of the mind. Um, and the, yeah, this this is highlighted here of of a big change coming. You know, something that has always been there. People have always thought for themselves and always spoken with each other and, and shared information. But uh, as, as later will be alluded to, like to do that at a, almost no cost and being able to reproduce information at infinitum to billions of people, that is that is a a fundamental shift in, in what it means to be human. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's... Um... We've always wanted to exchange ideas freely, but there's always been the, I don't know, what do we call this? Like the tyrannical impulse or the authoritarian impulse to try to control the flow of information or at least curb the flow of information to only allow narratives that support your rule, right? So anyone that speaks speaks out against the dictator, you want to sort of squash that to maintain uh, the dictatorial powers. But that, in, when you start to inhibit free speech, you know you interrupt this truth discovery process. Um, I, I, maybe it was Orwell said something like, "If nothing else, liberty means the ability to tell people what they don't want to hear." Right. So this this you know this idea that the truth hurts and sometimes you, it needs to be said, even if there's certain people that don't want it said, is very important to. Uh, the ongoing adaptation of human civilization, right? That we need information needs to flow. Otherwise, um, if it if it stagnates, then then we get this buildup of misfitness that eventually culminates in some type of calamity. And um, the other thing that really stands out to me here, you know, I read. Well, I didn't read. I listened to Atlas Shrugged recently. Finally. 64 audio 64 hour audiobook uh yeah. but i could not recommend it more highly it is just so comprehensive 
all-encompassing, beautifully written. The, the audiobook's fantastic. The voice acting is great. And um, one of the points Rand makes in that book is the, the, the supremacy of the mind, how it really is the ultimate source of all human wealth. Um, she has a quote. I think this is from, we published this on the channel, uh, Francisco Danconia's Money Speech. I think this is from the money speech, but she has an excerpt from Atlas Shrugged where she writes, quote, try to obtain your food by means of nothing but physical motions, and you'll learn that man's mind is the root of all the goods produced and of all the wealth that has ever existed on earth, unquote. So when we, and it's, you know, the marketplace is the interconnection of human minds. This is what John Verveke would call distributed cognition, right? We solve our biggest and most challenging problems through distributed cognition. If you have an interruption in the connections between minds in the marketplace, then you are inhibiting the collective human capacity to solve problems, to innovate, to produce wealth, et cetera. Um, and I think that's been kind of the trap we've been in, right? That there's, there are people in political power that want to remain in political power, but to do so, they need to keep a tight lid on the flow of information. But that tight lid is inhibiting the market process from, again, creating wealth, solving problems. And that's been sort of our rock and hard place, right? We have information that, you know, what does Jeff Booth say? Information wants to be free. It's been struggling to get out and flow freely, but then you have individuals inside of political hierarchies that are trying to keep it uh, isolated or controlled. And so we've had this, this struggle and then all of a sudden, boom, cyberspace, this, this, on this giant territory where it's very difficult to erect borders and, and constraints um, and yeah, as, as he writes here, right on behalf of the future, I ask you of the past to leave us alone. You are not welcome among us. You have no sovereignty where we gather. So it's a, it's a free territory for the human mind to, for human minds to interact with one another and to manifest all of the things that interconnected human minds can manifest. Yeah, exactly. And and it's it's about well being left alone, right? Specifically from tyrants. Mm -hmm. uh, because under tyranny the mind cannot flourish. And mm -hmm. right? we, we cannot innovate and build if we are coerced. It, it is it is a contradiction in fact, because mm. you know, as as uh, Ayn Rand so beautifully put it, uh the, the a free mind is required for any form of production and yes. for for any form of consumption either. Uh so in, in order to to produce uh, something beautiful. We need to, and not not just allow, but we need to recognize the inherent uh, inalienable rights of individuals uh, to think for themselves. That is yes. a right. That is a good thing. It is not a wrong or a bad thing. It is something that will inherit not just uh, like improve and and bring prosperity to the individual, but in the long run to everyone. Because out of free individuals emerges a free market with with free trade and and free production. Uh, in order to solve extremely complex and, and humongously huge problems, like establishing cyberspace in the first place, mm -hmm. right? We could have never achieved 
this this incredibly resilient system without an incredible amount of hours of dedicated work from from people to you know come up with computer science mm-hmm. and and the first computational hardware and then the software that that we build on top of this and and the encryption algorithms that we use to to sustain and and create these spaces uh, with without all of this mind work uh, we 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 would not have cyberspace in the first place yes yeah it's what are we saying here it's like the um cyberspace is unleashing the cognitive division of labor in a way right yeah like you, mm-hmm. you just what do we say many hands make light work two heads are better than one like all these old adages of obviously humans are designed to cooperate we we just we're economically better off when we cooperate but the we've had limitations on that prior to cyberspace and now you know you, again you have un, unlimited permissionless communication you have the total free flow of ideas and when the liquidity of ideas goes up um you get into the situation where we're just solving problems better faster cheaper right you're just you're accelerating or accelerating or enhancing the market process something like that mm-hmm. and um yeah i think you're you're point is great too we've said this before in this series i think that the root word of sovereignty is no right just Mm -hmm. the ability to say no and take your business elsewhere is what keeps producers honest and that is not a relationship dynamic we have had with the state historically like you just can't like sure you can get up and move to another jurisdiction but you're just moving from one predatory regime into another there hasn't really been a viable way to say no to statism uh in total right that you've always just had to had had to choose the 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 lesser of several evils basically and that's a problem because also as you said coercion cannot induce growth right this whole thing coercion and theft these things are decremental to human productivity um again, very intuitively, right? Every hour that's spent coercing or stealing from someone is an hour that's spent not producing. So to the extent that we do any of these acts, we're reducing not only productivity itself, but we're also reducing the incentives for producers to produce because they can't keep as much of their the products of their effort as they otherwise could. Um, and this is, again, is obvious, right? Like, of course, coercion doesn't work doesn't induce growth go outside and try to yell at your garden to grow faster right it doesn't work you have to let natural processes take hold um the same is true in in an economic system if you are a business owner or manager you should know these three numbers 36,000, 25, and 1. 36,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to netsuite by oracle NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, which allows you to streamline accounting, financial management, human resources, and more. NetSuite turns 25 years old this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days rather than weeks, and to drive down cost. And finally, one, because your business is one of a kind. So with NetSuite, you get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. NetSuite is everything you need all in one place. Right now, you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance, absolutely free. 
at netsuite.com slash whatismoney. That's netsuite.com slash whatismoney to get your free KPI checklist. Again, netsuite.com slash whatismoney. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, iCoin Technologies. iCoin has released a free software update for all existing wallet holders that includes a secure messaging feature called Chamber. With the Chamber upgrade, you can send text messages with all the security benefits of a cold device. With wallet-to-wallet encrypted messaging, there is zero chance of a message being decrypted by a snooping third party. Chambers encrypted messages can only be created and read on an iCoin wallet, which means messages are never seen in plain text on a hot device. You can use any messaging platform to send Chamber encrypted messages. Even if the messaging channel is compromised, your messages will remain uncrackable. You can now generate and store your message encryption keys on a cold device. This means you become the central authority and your encryption keys are never seen on a network connected device or kept in cloud storage by a third party. So why not protect your private communications like you protect your Bitcoin private keys? Pick up a few iCoin chambers today for friends, family, and coworkers. With the iCoin chamber, your privacy is built right in. Go to iCoinTechnology.com today and use promo code BITCOIN23 for 30% off of this new sleek hardware wallet. He writes, I guess we're going to the, the second paragraph here. He writes, we have no elected government, nor are we likely to have one. So I address you with no greater authority than that with which liberty itself always speaks. I declare the global social space we are building to be naturally independent of the tyrannies you seek to impose on us. That word authority, I've always thought is very interesting um, because it's closely related to the word author. And, you know, as Peterson and many others now say, it's, we're, we all inhabit stories. And so cyberspace plus Bitcoin is really just, I guess, leading us into a world where individuals can author their own stories rather than just being written into the stories of those that can project the most physical force. Um, and of course, you know, of course it's not a perfect solution, but it, it definitely is, is giving people, this is a shift of power from centralized structures to the people. And I think that word authority is just very telling and that it's the reduction of centralized authority, but the the increase of self-authorship. Um, I wonder if what thoughts you might have on on that particular passage. Yeah, like uh, we have no elected government, right? If, if government is, is the state and the state being defined as a, a monopoly on violence, why do we not need a government then? Uh, because in cyberspace, there is no violence. Right? Mm. We cannot expel force in in this digital realm because there is no matter to exert force on. Mm. So we we simply there's there is no no theft in cyberspace. You may mm. speak bad words, right? But mm. uh, sticks and bones will break my bones, but mm. but words will never harm me. Mm. Uh, so this means that again, it's it's the fundamental difference of the scarce world and the non-scarce world. Uh, which we had a, the, the great mm. series on with Stefan Kinsella. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and also in, in uh, our series right here, we spoke about this, that uh, the the aspect that some goods are exclusive and can only be used by one person at one time for one specific reason means that there is a potential conflict over who can allocate these resources. Mm. And that potential conflict has to be solved by a certain set of rules. Mm. Um, well, it can be uh, either uh, communism or, or a private property society. 
uh, basically, or some shades thereof in between. However, in a non-scarce cyberspace, where any information that you would like to read from any person who has ever said it, you can acquire this information for basically free. Mm. And, and then not just that, but you can also talk to whomever you want who also wants to talk with you, uh, regardless of where they are, um, and you know potentially even with with the dead in 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 terms of mm. new large language models that can embody a certain um, you know a realm of ideas and and rehash it given new context. Um, this is this is something that is you know, almost time travel uh, uh, to some extent, and and this is all possible in a realm where scarcity does not apply. Uh, mm. And this is why we're not likely to need a body of elected uh, governments to compel force and the monopoly thereof, because mm. in this realm, there is no force. This is inviolable property. Mm. Yeah, it's well said. It's, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> uh, I guess we, for the longest, if you ever, I remember watching Star Trek as a kid and these, you know, the introduction, introduction to the show shows I'm going into space and saying space, the final frontier and so I grew up kind of thinking that was the next frontier for humanity. And maybe it is, but we missed this one, right? This whole cyberspace is a new frontier, um, specifically for ideas, communications, expression, transactions, as we've said. And that the the problems that it solves and the capabilities that it unlocks are in some ways more significant than discovering a new physical frontier, right? If we just went to space, we might still have coercive political hierarchies running the show but with something like cyberspace you just get a brand new cooperative dynamic among people and that's really interesting um and th yeah this whole idea you know coercion just doesn't work there which is also unique right because coercion works in basically every physical space but when you go into digital space you know as we say in bitcoin you can't point a gun at a math problem it just doesn't work right so um, you move from this world where the state owns part of you and part of your time, right? Through the threat, the credible threat of physical coercion into a world where, so that's from statism to something like sovereign individualism, where each person basically owns themselves purely and wholly, right? They can decide what to do with their time, uh, whatever wealth they create with their time, they can fully control. So we get a great uh, degree of autonomy that, that just is not possible, I guess, in any physical space. And so at the end of that passage, he writes, you have no moral right to rule us, nor do you possess any methods of enforcement. We have true reason to fear. It's like, like we just said, right? Your weapons and physical coercion don't work in the digital domain. And he goes on to write, governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. You have neither solicited nor received ours. We did not invite you. You do not know us, nor do you know our world. Cyberspace does not lie within your borders. Do not think that you can build it as though it were a public construction project. You cannot. It is an act of nature and it grows itself through our collective actions. Ooh, um, how, okay. So the last line, how should we think of 
cyberspace as an act of nature and then what should to what extent should we be concerned about government attempts to turn the internet into a centrally planned public utility like i've i've seen politicians recently saying things like oh we need to kyc the internet right you need to have a a driver's license or something to even access to even go online so they can trace track and control all of your your internet or social media activity uh how do we reconcile these things where what uh cyberspace is an act of nature versus the zoo that governments are attempting to make out of it today yeah i think that cyberspace is is inherently a you know a, a free market and and there's the invisible hand of the free market uh which i i guess is what what is being alluded to here that without any central point of control or or dictation of the direction that this realm goes to, it still progresses. And it progresses astonishingly. I mean, think back to 1996 when this was written and compare the tech stack mm -hmm. from back then to the tech stack of now, which embodies cyberspace. It is, it is breathtaking, the amount of advancement that was achieved in this extremely short mm -hmm. time by simply leaving people alone and not mm -hmm. having monopolies to restrict who can innovate and who can provide which services. Uh, the, the end result of that is, is, again, that 8 billion people have access to the knowledge of hundreds of billions of people from mm -hmm. the past uh, and can, can be acquired at, at barely no cost. And with that and, and no ability to prevent people from speaking up, from speaking to each other, and from providing useful services and, and for solving problems for other people uh, with, with no, no restriction to new market participants entering this. Well, the, uh, that is the collective actions, right? It's, it's individuals mm -hmm. acting in uh, all over the place to then emerge something that, that resembles a greater and greater problem solving ability. Uh, mm -hmm. And that then coupled with the this idea of free software that we can solve a problem once and then ship it to everyone mm. for free uh, is is exactly that. Uh, it 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 enables us to become more and more proficient and more and more productive uh, without having to sacrifice um, this technology to someone else. Right? You you don't give up the software once you publish it. No, you you retain a perfectly uh, qu a perfect quality of the copy of the source code. In fact, when you publish it to 8 billion other people, the likelihood that someone of those minds will find a superior solution to the problem mm. uh, and then also tell it to you so that you benefit from, from the improvement to the software stack. Uh, that is, that is in fact how software works. Like no mm. developer writes his own code anymore. Everyone uses libraries and abstractions mm -hmm. that were created from other people and reviewed by other people and adapted and improved. That's such a good point. Um, the, the, this whole idea of the diffusion of knowledge being so rapid, right? Like what you just said, solve a problem once anywhere, and then you distribute the schematic for the solution, right? Whatever that is, the product or the service. And then you've solved it for everyone, everywhere, forever, right? Yeah. Like the idea, it's just a wild, like a, it, it's a wildfire basically. Um, and that I, the further to that point, the diffusion of knowledge that is incredibly rapid 
also serves as a as a scaffolding for the further development of knowledge, right? People don't need to reinvent the wheel, so to speak, every time. You just grab, you know, whatever's out there and drop it into some modular software development um, schematic. And then you don't, like, what's a good example? Payments, I guess, right? Where people are just... Um, drag and drop these different payment solutions, whether it's Stripe, like a fiat rail solution, or you've got, um, what is the the Bitcoin based one? Um, BTC pay server, things like that, right? You can just grab these things and add them to your website or your online shop. And you don't need to build the payment processor. You just, it's already been built. You just grab it and drop it on there. Um, plug and play, maybe something like that. Um, I hope I'm not overstating how simple that is, but I'm not a technical guy, but it seems like it's, it's easy, something, right? something like that. Two weeks and it's done. <laughs> <laughs> but since 1996, when this was written, right? So we're sitting in 2023. So that's what, 27 years. Fang stocks, Facebook, Apple, Netflix. I forgot the other end. Google. Smartphones. Uber and ride sharing in general, Airbnb and house sharing in general, Bitcoin, obviously huge. Uh, and most recently, AI slash large language models. I mean, that's just 27 years. Yeah. Damn, right? <laughs> so 27 years, like we've changed, you know, advertising fundamentally, distribution of goods, distribution of media. We've created search engines. We put a supercomputer in everyone's pocket. We've created ride sharing. We've created home sharing, which is increasing the utilization rates of assets, right? Instead of the car sitting idle all the time or the house sitting idle, it's getting used and monetized. We've created a disruptor to gold and or central banking, which is Bitcoin. And now we have I guess an extension of search engines, which are large language models, right? They're they're like souped up search engines, I guess, or more personalized. That's just 27 years of innovation in cyberspace. What do the next 27 years look like? Yeah. Building upon everything that came before. Yeah. Right? Like Uber wasn't possible before before the iPhone. There's a stepping function and a certain order of innovations right. that has to happen in order for the next one, like uh, path dependency. Uh, yes. th that is that is quite essential. And now, now that we have established all of this that you just said, and and we're at this point in the path, what we can build next is like, woof, like yes, crazy, absolutely yes. crazy. Yeah, and, and even the people who've worked on each of these fundamental building blocks have no idea, absolutely no idea, what crazy minds out there in cyberspace will come up with to build next. Exactly. I'm reminded of that chart that shows the uh, diffusion rate of new innovations, like how long it takes to go from 0% adoption to, you know, whatever the adoption, basically the adoption curves for new technologies, but they kept getting faster, right? Because as you're saying, the infrastructure was laid prior. So for, um, what was the one? I think it was, you know, like the telephone had a certain curve, had a certain steepness to its adoption rate. But the internet was much faster because the infrastructure, telephone infrastructure was already physically laid. So all you had to do is sort of um, piggyback the, the internet infrastructure on top of it. Obviously, there were some modifications. But then things come along like, you know, the FANG stocks we mentioned and the adoption rates are super fast because they're just software deployments, right? It's not even there. Obviously, there's hardware on the back end, but the software can be deployed to consumers super quickly. So presumably... 
things like Bitcoin should be the adoption rate of Bitcoin should be even faster than the internet, right? Because the internet infrastructure is already in place. Um, I, I assume the same would be true for AI and or large language models. So you get this, this accelerant effect, right? That each new innovation benefits from the efficiencies of the, the innovations um, antecedent to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and this is this is why this space is naturally independent of the tyrannies like it is it is simply out of this realm right uh, it it is no longer uh, applicable uh, and and that fact alone you know has has to be celebrated that yes. that we can really take this to the next level and you know from from the first uh, uh, sentence uh, like or, or second i from the future uh, i ask you of the past to leave us alone because mm. the future is fundamentally different from the past and and yes there are amazing technologies developed in the past on whom we can rely upon uh, to to build the next great iteration but but equally so there are certain negative aspects of the past like uh, slavery and and tyranny mm. that absolutely have to be abolished for the future to to become as as bright and as prosperous mm. as it could possibly be uh, and and this effort of cyberspace um is is a a phenomenally beautiful way of addressing this problem um, of of not trying to convince the slave owner to please stop it, but to simply build tools where he is obsolete. Mm. Is that the key to pushing back against governments attempting to domesticate the internet to just build tools that they can't interfere with? Exactly, right? To be naturally um, independent. Uh, in in the sense, like it doesn't matter how big your guns are, strong encryption works, uh, and there's nothing that you can do about it. Um, so uh, that's that's basically the cypherpunk ethos, right? Build technologies that that are unstoppable, so that you can truly declare your independence in cyberspace. Um, because if with without strong protections that actually increase the cost of attack, mm. right? Uh, then a, a a simple declaration is empty words. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it needs to be followed up with uh, being actually defended in the nature of things. Mm -hmm. uh, but but thankfully, math and cryptography is a beautiful thing in nature that that we have discovered and that we can use. And of course, yes. not just that, but any bits and bytes, any computer software stack, these are phenomenally tools that work in reality and that are right to work because they are correct, uh, because they are inherent with with how things are. Yeah. Uh, and and again, with this new home of mind, we can review these technologies and these software stacks. Like cryptography used to be the most arcane um, magic by a few select individuals mm. and, and militaries. Not so long ago, right? But mm. but nowadays, cryptography is used by everyone, right? We've, we have dispersed these technologies from the hand of a few to the hand of everyone. Mm -hmm. And and that is a fundamental shift in in the power dynamics. Mm. No, it's such a great point. And I really think this is key to what makes us human, actually. You know, we all typically, when people are inquiring into what distinguishes humans from animals, they'll point to something like language. Say, oh, well, humans, you know, speak and humans think, you know, we use cognitive software we call language. But I think it's actually more general than that, that we are, because language is a tool, what really distinguishes us from animals is that we are highly sophisticated tool using creatures 
And so the the better tools we have at our disposal at our disposal, the more human really we become, more human and humane. Interesting thing about cyberspace is that it's it's mitigating the effectiveness of guns and bombs as tools, right? You just again, you can't point the gun at the math problem, you can't coerce people in cyberspace. Um that just reduces the effectiveness of 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 physical power projection technologies as as tools for moving people. And um I watched this documentary last night, the Dare to Dream documentary, which is about El Salvador. And the main thing they were focusing on for the next generation, like the kids, getting them to come up and and change the patterns of the past, right? Where they they um obviously El Salvador for a long time was the murder capital of the world, had a very serious gang problem. A lot of parents would leave and go to the US to work for money because um, you know, their economic conditions were very poor in El Salvador. So parents would leave their kids for five, 10, 15, 20 years and go to work in the US and send money home to take care of their kids, but they would their kids would grow up parentless. And so this made the kids more susceptible to gangs. And like you had this very vicious cycle. And these community projects uh, they were doing, like like at the Hope House and in El Zante, is they were focusing on giving kids tools, right? They were teaching them English. They were teaching them how to use Bitcoin. And that was the strategy for getting people to pull themselves up out of, of poverty, basically, is like giving them better tools. So it just seems like it, this is the critical thing, right? If we're going to live in a world that where liberty actually flourishes the ideology is one thing right that the appreciation and respect for private property let's say or libertarian ideals that matters but then you need the actual implementation they need tools that work that can actually uphold and and i don't know enforce impose embody those ideals like you need uh practical implementations of the ideals that you're trying to live by for it, for the society to work on those principles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And no, I, I really love that next sentence because it like as a as a praxeology fanboy, it, it's it's incredible. <laughs> you have not engaged in our great and gathering conversation, nor did you create the wealth of our marketplaces. And I think this this embodies the two axioms of praxeology. The first one, the axiom of argumentation, right? Hans-Hermann Hoppe, Economic Science and the Austrian Method, must-read mm. book. Um, with uh, We have to assume that that people uh, argue uh, and argue in, in good faith because uh -huh. they, they seek truth. Right? And a tyrant does not seek truth. Uh, a, a tyrant does not argue. He, he commands. Mm. Mm -hmm. A tyrant cannot engage in a great and gathering conversation. So they have not because they cannot. And following up with that, nor did you create the wealth of our marketplace mm. because wealth can only be created in a marketplace and a marketplace is only where free individuals gather and act voluntarily and, and trade out of mutual beneficial interest. Mm. And again, a tyrant cannot be a participant of a marketplace. A tyrant cannot create and a tyrant cannot uh, create wealth. Uh, so this, this is just a staggering piece that's so, so, tightly uh, summarizes uh, the, the the two great axioms of praxeology. Mm. Yeah, it's well said. Um, that book is unbelievably good, by the way. Very short, uh, extremely well-written. And yeah, the one point, that argumentation presupposes 
the existence of truth, right? Because argument is the means to the end of truth, basically, right? That's why you argue. You're trying to get to the bottom of it, so to speak. And the other thing that I loved in that book was his explanation of the axiom of action, because he's saying that the axiom of action is ax axiomatic, meaning it's a it's an assumption you can't refute, basically, because to try and argue against the axiom of action is to use the means of argumentation to the end of refuting the axiom of action, which proves the axiom of action, which says humans must purposefully use means to pursue valued ends. So it's like this, you know, language, this, this irrefutable, incontrovertible language structure. And it, mm -hmm. it's just so beautiful the way you said that. Um, uh, yeah, and, and that argumentation is a part of cyberspace. Yes, and that that is the realm of the home of the mind, right? Yes. We're, we're, and it, that's that's why tyrants have have no power here, mm. uh, because they have to play on our rules. Because we we argue, and and the code is either correct or it's not correct, right? The the math formula is 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 either true or not. Yes. You can either decrypt the message or you cannot. There is simply yes. no way around it. Yes, for sure. It, yeah, we're. It's a domain, I guess, where truth actually reigns rather than mm -hmm. just arbitrary power. And that, that makes yeah. all the difference. Um, okay, which line are we on now? Is it you claim? Is that what we're on? You do not know our culture, our ethics, or our unwritten code uh, that already provides our society more order than could be obtained by any of your impositions. No, absolutely beautiful that that this realm of cyberspace yes it is it is anarchy there there are no rulers who can compel others mm. but that does not mean that it is chaos it means that there are a plethora of of codes and rules and ethics and culture that is embodied by the people who who choose to embody it uh, yes. where it it, uh, it that emerges uh, a a much more complex and much more beautiful structure Right? Be because the the cyberspace is so dispersed it's in the mind of every individual and when the when we have you know full freedom of the individual who who is the one to create the space then it it can flourish in in ways that nobody else would have thought mm -hmm. of because you are not the one who who came up with it and mm -hmm. and to put out these ideas yeah i'm i'm reminded here too uh I think Bitcoin is Venice is probably the best Bitcoin rabbit hole book. I don't know if you've gotten mm -hmm. into that one yet, but they talk about culture as a form of capital, really. Mm. And so this whole thing, like you don't, you do not know our culture, our ethics, our unwritten codes. In this free market for ideas, there are brand new forms of culture emerging because there are new forms of capital emerging effectively, right? So it's, it's, um, very interesting to look at it that way. Uh, next passage, he writes, you claim there are problems among us that you need to solve. You use this claim as an excuse to invade our precincts. Many of these problems don't exist. Where there are real conflicts, where there are wrongs, we will identify them and address them by our means. We are forming our own social contract. This governance will arise according to the conditions of our world, not yours. Our world is different. Yeah. I, so what is the, I mean, the social contract in statism is something like, 
the consent of the governed, right? What is the social contract in cyberspace? Is it just, it's just rules without rulers, something like that? Yeah, I, I would say it's it's protocols, right? Like HTTP, that's a protocol of, of two people to talk to each other. And and there's like a, you know, a, a version handshake, basically, where, mm -hmm. where one computer asks the other, yo, this is the protocol I'm speaking. Is it also the protocol you're speaking? And then the, the other computer replies with, yep, we're, we're talking the same language. We're talking mm -hmm. the same protocol. We have a social contract over what do the words mean that we are about to speak to each other. Uh, Bitcoin is another one. Right? We, we have one full node uh, having a its own set of rules and receiving a transaction from from externally and and now validating if this transaction is correct or not if it is true or not uh, and if if other people come to the same conclusion of yes this transaction is valid then indeed we have a, a social contract mm. um, where where two people agree on on how to engage with each other and it's it's not something arbitrary and easily changed. It's actually very clearly defined in bits and bytes. Uh, and uh, it uh, then also the outcome therefore, therefore clearly mm -hmm. is, right? If, if you run a Bitcoin full node software, you implicitly agree with with uh, like all of the rules that, that are embodied in this code because you're running the code on, on your own machine. Yes, well said. And uh, the consent of the govern governed in statist meat space is completely undermined too, right? Once you have the central bank installed, it doesn't really matter the voting or it doesn't matter as much. That's for sure. I don't want to say it doesn't matter at all, but the mechanism through which you express your preferences, the vote, it just doesn't hold a candle to the money, right? And so once you monopolize the money, the vote is really mitigated as a, a means of of steering the political hierarchy. So I think that social contract just doesn't work with with a central bank, basically. And in cyberspace, well, there are no central banks. There's Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. No, and like, the first sentence here is so cool. Like, you claim that there are problems among us that you need to solve. It's like saying, hey, the central bank, you know, guys, like, you clearly don't have enough money. Like mm -hmm. we, we definitely have to print a bunch of Bitcoin now. Uh, and, and I'm here to do that, right? Like right. Uh, I can totally solve this problem for you, man. I, I pushed a button. We have 21 billion Bitcoin and more, right? Mm -hmm. Great. Um, yeah, but those problems don't exist, right? The problem yeah. that you claim exists and that you're here to heroically solve is not a problem. In fact, it is a feature, not right. a bug. Right? So, so external forces... Uh, try to make us believe that there are certain problems that need to be addressed when in reality they are exactly what the individuals using the system want and how the system should behave. Mm. Right? So there, where there are wrongs, however, right, when someone tries to spend a coin that does not belong to him, uh, uh, meaning he does not have the private key and therefore cannot produce a valid signature, mm. then that, that means that every Bitcoin full node is simply going to reject this, saying, no, you're not authorized to spend this coin. Uh, so we can, with real conflicts, right, where, where, which is direct theft of, of coins that do not belong to you, or indirect theft via inflation of coins that, uh, that others have chosen to use, uh, these are the actual types of wrongs that we, in fact, have written a software to automatically identify and automatically address them and remove them from being a concern. 
And we, we have automated the judge, jury, and executioner position to be a line, couple lines of code mm. that can be copied at infinitum for 8 billion people's living now and billions of people living in the future. Mm. Yeah, man, it's this idea of a social contract that is written actually in accordance with the plans and preferences of the participants. It's an ideal, basically, right? It's something we've always tried to create and meet space with constitutional uh, republics and things like that, but we've never been able to really do it. But now, through the anarchic reality of cyberspace, we actually have it, right? And if and to the extent you don't have it, well, guess what? You can just build it, right? There's the 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 terrain is limitless, right? If you don't like the module you're in, you can just go and build a different one or join a different one. And so the whole thing is antithetical to the statist social contract where you're just you're just forced to accept whatever is, right? You're, whatever the monopolist has created, that's what you have to subscribe to. Um, I think this next passage is like the peak of his poetic writing here. Cyberspace consists of transactions, relationships, and thought itself arrayed like a standing wave in the web of our communications. Ours is a world that is both everywhere and nowhere, but it is not where bodies live. I just think that's a poetically beautiful line. And um, again, written in 1996, but he's describing, I mean, obviously he's describing the internet, but this is core to Bitcoin's value proposition, the everywhere and nowhere thing, right? That it's everywhere accessible, but nowhere seizable or confiscatable, something like that. Yeah. And the fact that, that he says cyberspace consists of transactions, right? This was, mm -hmm. this was, well, after we had the first online payment systems like Xiaomi and eCash, but, mm -hmm. but we're like transactions in cyberspace were still very, very far from reality. Again, eBay did not mm -hmm. exist. Amazon did not mm -hmm. exist. And he's talking about cyberspace consisting of transactions, mm -hmm. right? Which which is just incredible. And then of course Bitcoin, like being being an like not just a transaction system, but a thing to transact with mm -hmm. in cyberspace natively, right? That is not tied to some external thing like a claim on gold or something, but it is the thing that can be transacted where we have exclusive ownership over it, where mm. some people can move it and other people cannot. And once you've given away, you cannot take it back, mm. right? A, a good of cyberspace that can be transacted and that will then emerge as, as you know, a, a, a just an incredibly useful tool in this realm. Mm. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, very prescient for sure. Um... And he goes on to write here, we are creating a world that all may enter without privilege or prejudice accorded by race, economic power, military force, or station of birth. We are creating a world where anyone anywhere may express his or her beliefs, no matter how singular, without fear of being coerced into silence or conformity. I really like, I, I spoke uh, earlier this week with Alex Svedsky. And we were talking about equality. Um, and it's it's somewhat obvious, I think, to most people that equality of outcome doesn't make any sense at all, right? If you had equality of outcome, there would be no 
point in working or trying to excel or do anything good. Um, because if you're going to have the same outcome as everyone else, then there's no incentive to perform, right? If, if every sports game ended in a tie, none of the players would play hard because there's no, it's a quality of outcome, but we got deeper into a quality of opportunity as also kind of being a farce because no one has a perfect equality of opportunity, right? No one's born in the same place, same time, same genetics, same parents, same economic situation. Everyone has a different opportunity set uh, in front of them at any given time. And so the real equality that matters, which he's hitting on here, is just having equality in the eyes of the law, right? That we're all playing a game that playing by the same rules, essentially, you know, playing on a level playing field, so to speak. And that's what I think, I mean, that's what we're talking about with Bitcoin and cyberspace, right? It's just this territory that the rule, it's like physics in a way that the rules apply to all of us equally. No one can bend or break the rules. So you just go and play by the rules. And, um, and that just seems to be really important for creating games that are iterable over time that they don't degenerate because if the rules can be changed you know if someone can get in the position of rulemaking well then they can win the game over and over and over and eventually that game is going to degenerate right and i would say that's what a central bank and a state is sort of doing right they've they've they have arrogated themselves as the rulemaking authority they bend and twist or even form the rules in their own favor so you get like a two-tier economic system or rule system that favors insiders and disfavors outsiders. And that breaks, right? It continually degenerates into social revolution after social revolution. And so we needed a, an actual level playing field. And it seems like Bitcoin and cyberspace um, are that. Yeah. And why is it that we have created a world where there is no privilege or prejudice for race, economic power, military force, or station of birth? And it's because of anonymity. And if we have a system where you cannot know it, what the race of someone else is or his economic right. power or his military force or his station of birth, where these informations are simply never revealed by that person, then there is no way uh, to to prescribe some prejudice to that or some privilege. There, there, there is no reputation like that right. anymore uh, because we have created a realm of, of perfect anonymity where news can be published. Right? And, and that means like from anyone anywhere and you can express your beliefs because of anonymity regardless of how minor they are and without fear of being coerced into silence because there is no way to find out who was the person who spoke these words right and uh, the the ideas then are are judged not by the messenger but by the message itself uh, and and that again when when distributed not just to a select few people but to everyone where everyone mm. all of a sudden has the power to speak his mind as he mm. sees fit that increases the freedom and the freedom of cyberspace and 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 the magnitude thereof because all of a sudden there are more people who, who actually provide arguments uh, and mm. and free actions and that initiates all of what we've been talking about i lo i love that point you made judging the message on its own merits rather than judging the message by the messenger, right? That 
you know, you can just let the idea sort of stand on its own two feet without mm-hmm. it being painted by any political whatever by the guy or girl that said it. Um, that's a, that's a whole that's a very unique value proposition of cyberspace that we, we just didn't have that before, right? I mean, I guess you could write anonymously in a way, but um, to have an entire digital avatar or presence online that's anonymous, even multiple, right? You can have multiple identities online for different purposes. Like this really uh, opens up the possibility of, of people speaking freely in a way that was never before possible. One of my highest health priorities is keeping my brain in top shape. To take care of my brain power, I do many things such as striving to read, write, exercise, and meditate daily. One of the latest tools in my brain power toolkit is MindLab Pro. MindLab Pro is a nootropic supplement that is scientifically proven to enhance your brain power. When I take MindLab Pro, my mind feels like it has a better grip on the world, my thinking is more lucid, and the articulation of my speech is much more clear. MindLab Pro has been tested in rigorous, double-blind, placebo-controlled human trials and has been proven to enhance brain power for users in every age group. MindLab Pro is an advanced formulation of 11 nootropic ingredients and is backed by research from 1,473 human trials conducted over a period of 32 years. So if you're looking to start enhancing your brain power, MindLab Pro is an excellent solution. Go to mindlabpro.com slash breedlove to start enhancing your brain power today. Again, that's mindlabpro.com slash breedlove. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a crowdfunding platform for paying medical expenses in lieu of an insurance policy. CrowdHealth recently announced that it is integrating lightning payments with Breeze's Lightning SDK. In the United States, we spend more than twice the average amount of money on healthcare than other developed nations. Medical costs are one of the leading causes of bankruptcy in the United States, and it is not a secret that the medical system in the U.S. has many, many issues. The CrowdHealth model is based on offering an alternative to the conventional insurance policy at a cheaper price point. For a monthly membership fee of $50, CrowdHealth will negotiate medical bills to get the cheapest price possible, help locate healthcare providers, offer access to their member crowdfunding service, and more. Prior to the Breeze integration, CrowdHealth had been functioning over traditional fiat payment routes, which introduced unnecessary transaction fees and delays in settlement. By integrating Lightning payments into the CrowdHealth business model, payments between members can now be made with near-zero fees and with final settlement occurring in mere seconds. So go to joincrowdhealth.com slash breedlove today to sign up. He goes on here to write... And this is where we get into the world of Bitcoin a little more concretely. Your legal concepts of property, expression, identity, movement, and context do not apply to us. They are all based on matter, and there is no matter here. Our identities. What's that? Yeah, just wonderful, right? There is no matter here. Yes, so good. Our identities have no bodies, so unlike you, we cannot obtain order by physical coercion. We believe that from ethics, enlightened self-interest, and the common weal, our governance will emerge. Our identities may be distributed across many of your jurisdictions. The only law that all our constituent cultures would generally recognize is the golden rule. We hope we will be able to build our particular solutions on that basis. 
but we cannot accept the solutions you are attempting to impose. So that one line about we believe that from ethics, enlightened self-interest, and the common wheel, our governance will emerge. I really think he's dictating Bitcoin in a way, right? It's like um, we talked about this before, but like okay, ethics, the whole idea of what should what you should do, right? Not not the is, not the descriptive perspective on reality, but the prescriptive orientation to reality. What what should we do about it, right? This is how things are. What should we do about it? And I think Bitcoin's so interesting that it's, it's. this might be a stretch, but I've said it, it's sort of like a system of ethics energized by economic incentives. Mm -hmm. It's incentivizing us to act a certain way in the world, right? That we should actually, you know, the, the natural law dictum do not steal it's sort of incentivizing you not to steal and incentivizing you to be honest and so in that way it's like it's not just ethical code written down saying here's what we should do and like let's just trust and hope everyone does that it's actually paying you <laughs> mm -hmm. to be honest and to not you know to propagate honest transactions and to it makes stealing difficult basically so it, it makes stealing less profitable. So it's kind of like a penalty to stealing or, or, or an inhibition rather than a penalty, I guess. And so mm -hmm. that steers, at least in theory, who knows what's going to happen here. Maybe we've just all drank too much Bitcoin Kool-Aid, but in theory, it steers human action in an ethical direction through the um, presence of economic incentives, something like that. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and that is, that's what governance is, right? It's like governing what people do. Um, and so Bitcoin really does seem to be kind of like, have like this ethical or, or governance dimension to it um, that he's predicting here. Yeah, yeah. And, and and in the previous sentence, right, we cannot obtain order by physical coercion. Again, we talked about this in the past, but this simply means that because in this world, in this realm of cyberspace, coercion and violence is no longer an option. Mm -hmm. And this means we have to deal with the problems elsewise. And if if we you know have the Hoppian view that that ethics is about non-coercion, then this means that like most or any action in cyberspace will be ethical because coercion and violence is not possible. Mm. And then enlightened self-interest is is the game theory and economic mm -hmm. incentives mm -hmm. that that you have mentioned. Uh, and and common wheel is is the realization that theft is prosperous for everyone, right? And out of all of these three facets, governance will emerge, which we mm. absolutely see in Bitcoin, right? It, it's a beautiful level of governance that clearly says what is correct and what is not correct, and that fully enforces those claims of quality. Uh, and, you know, in, in that next sentence, then our identities may be distributed across many of your jurisdictions. Again, 1996, but it predicts peer-to-peer -peer technologies, which at that point didn't much exist, right? In the mm -hmm. sense of BitTorrent, for example, mm -hmm. or, or Bitcoin. Um, this this is when, when when we can distribute risks uh, of uh, of you know acting uh, and by uh, yeah just replicating the code and running it on numerous computers by numerous people, so that if one of those people or computers gets shut down, the system as a whole does not die because it is distributed across jurisdictions. And and then that means that that an attacker needs to coordinate across time and space and jurisdictions uh, for a a massive attack 
um, which again, because information longs to be free and code can be copied extremely cheaply, the, the thought of eradicating the Bitcoin source code ever is, is preposterous mm -hmm. because how could you ever attempt it? Yeah, that's such a great point. It, it's amazing how much he could see around the corner, I guess. Um, okay, in the next passage he's writing, in the United States, you have today created a law, the Telecommunications Reform Act, which repudiates your own constitution and insults the dreams of Jefferson, Washington, Mill, Madison, de Tocqueville, and Brand Brandeis. These dreams must now be born anew in us. I assume he's saying that the Telecommunications Reform Act is, contradicts the First Amendment and the freedom of speech, uh, but I'm not exactly sure. Do you know much about this Telecommunications Reform Act and why it was specifically bad for liberty? Yeah, so this uh, was an act by uh, signed in by Bill Clinton, by the way, not not Bush, as I said earlier, mm. um, and it it was it was framed as being a great deregulation move uh, over the the broadcasting and the telecommunications marketing, but in fact it it added the internet as being part of that coverage, mm. uh, and and specifically the the Communication Decency Act, where there was a board of of bureaucrats. Who, who can dictate which words and which statements are decent and, and shall be allowed to be published. And if, if uh, you know, certain sentiments or, or words are, are not part, are not agreed or, or um, sanctioned by these, this group of bureaucrats, then it is illegal to publish these, mm. um, which, of course, is, is contradictory to reality. Mm. Uh, it is simply impossible to prevent people in cyberspace from speaking. Uh, again, because they can do so anonymously and because they can do so in a self-sovereign manner on their own computers uh, and, and with their own actions. Uh, uh, so the the attempt of, uh, of, of silencing a, a minority uh, simply because they are not liked by a, a group of bureaucrats is not just uh, against ethics of man, but it's against the reality of how cyberspace works. Mm. And, and that is what, what he's pointing out, um, that that this this law like even if if, if well-intentioned is very much against reality mm. and and against how decent human beings ought to behave mm. yeah it's great that you know pre-cyberspace a piece of legislation like that could be really destructive but post-cyberspace it's like it doesn't it's moot in a way right it's like yeah doesn't there's no power here yeah, I, I've you know we've joked before in Bitcoin. It's like passing a a bill to ban Bitcoin is like passing a bill to ban gravity. Like it, sure you can pass it, but it's not going to change anything. And uh, again, maybe that's a bit of a stretch. I don't know, but but the the spirit of the comment is that it's basically unenforceable, right? There's a new technological paradigm where the enforceability of this law is just near zero, something like that. Um. And thank God for that, right? Thank God that we can talk freely and, um, you know, tell the emperor he has no clothes, so to speak. Yeah, um, yeah. All right, next passage. You want to read the next one? I think I read the last one. 
Yeah, like uh, you are terrified of your own children since they are natives in the world where you will always be immigrants. And because you fear them, you entrust your bureaucracies with the parental responsibilities. You are too cowardly to confront yourselves. That's again, like so, so, so powerful. And it, and it just echoes so much from what we see today. I mean, look at how central bankers uh, are, are talking about Bitcoin and, and people who work on Bitcoin. They are terrified of the the power that that is within these technologies, uh, and uh, they they don't understand that this great power is is to their own best benefit mm. uh, and to the, to the immense benefit for for the future. Mm. Uh, and um, so they are literally afraid of their children because you can be for sure damn sure that every bureaucrat or central banker who is yelling against Bitcoin, that, that his children are very much Bitcoiners mm -hmm. uh, be, because they get it um, uh, since they are born natively to this world of cyberspace. Again, this was written in 1996, hmm. whereas now 20 years later, a bunch of people have been born to cyberspace after this was already a, a reality. Um, and I mean, who knows about the next generation of, of people being born now who, who are natively born not just to cyberspace of, of information but to the cyberspace of money as well with bitcoin um and and the, the fact that because of that fear you you allocate uh, additional powers to bureaucracies for for this parental responsibility like if such an act is taken out of fear it can never be benevolent benevolent it can never lead mm -hmm. to order and wisdom right mm -hmm. it, like mm -hmm. love has to be the foundation and, and mm -hmm. not this type of fear and I think in, in Bitcoin, the, uh, the people collaborating and working on this do it out of love versus mm -hmm. the people who fight against it do it out of fear. And that is ultimately why we are winning. Well said. I, you know, I think fiat is entirely fear-based. It's obviously imposed by fear, right? Threats. But then those doing the imposing are acting out of fear too, right? It's like, oh, I need more whatever, need more purchasing power or wealth i need to steal it from others rather than acting in love right which is acknowledging your fellow man as a rational being right and treating them as such it's you're you're acting you're treating them like an animal instead you're trying to coerce them and this idea of the children being born into into the digital world natively i think that it gives so much credence to that saying that there's nothing more unstoppable than an idea whose time has come. It's like once the, it's the same thing we were saying earlier, right? Once the solution, you solve the problem once and then you distribute the solution in cyberspace, it's solved for everyone everywhere forever. And that's really what Bitcoin is, right? Like we've had broken money forever, We've had, you know, approximations of good money and a gold standard here and there, but we've never had truly good money, sustainably good, unbreakable money. And what do we have now, right? We have everyone growing up at the digital age. I can't imagine a world where kids have this much access to information that would ever support a central bank. And be like, oh yeah, I'm going to hold my savings in this, you know, funny money, paper money that they can just print ad infinitum. Like the the value proposition of Bitcoin might be complicated, but it's not that complicated, right? Just owning yeah. something that other people can't steal or produce. Truth Kids are going to figure that out. Right? I'm sorry, what's that? 
truth rarely is com uh, complicated. Uh, exactly. Should exactly. be common sense. It makes sense. It's just not common these days. And it was common in eras past, right? Mm -hmm. I would say we've, we've got kind of a fiat hangover in modernity, <laughs> but um, I, yeah, yeah, kids yeah. are going to figure it out. And I think kids are already figuring it out. It's so give it 25 years and like, it's just going to be common sense once again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and to continue in our world, all the sentiments and expressions of humanity from the debasing to the angelic are parts of a seamless whole, the global conversation of bits. We cannot separate the air that chokes from the air upon which wings beat. And, you know, that's that's just something something beautifully said in the realm that of, of how freedom enables the individual to be both demonic and angelic. And we, mm. we have the freedom to steal from others. Mm -hmm. uh, and we also have the freedom to cooperate from others. This is something that is in our power to do. Uh, and that as a seamless whole is is humanity, right? The, the line of good and evil runs through the heart of every individual. Mm -hmm. And so it is in cyberspace where we can use this utmost power um, of, of talking to a bunch of people uh, uh, to express, you know, bad things and good things. Like there are bad things happening in cyberspace. Absolutely. Right? Propaganda being, being, for example, one of them. But that is part of the, the global conversation, right? This, this is simply how, how humans are. And we we can express this and and proliferate it in bits both ways, right? And we cannot separate the air that chokes from the air upon which wings beat. Mm -hmm. If we would have the the the, the ability, uh, which by we don't, but even if we would have the ability to to censor the internet and cyberspace so that that all of the bad actions would would not be there, then equally. All, there would no, there would not be any good actions left, mm. because if you are compelled to act in a good way, then that is no longer the good way, because you were compelled to do so. You are under threat of coercion and violence, and therefore, by definition, the act is not mutually beneficial, uh, right. because if you would have chosen it voluntarily, well, th that's a whole separate thing. But being yeah. forced to be gratuitous, to be kind, uh, to be loving to others. Mm -hmm. It's it's an oxymoron. Yes. Yeah, it's a confession. If the coercion is necessary, then you're confessing that it's not beneficial to one party. Right? Whoever the coerced party is, they're not willing to do it on their own accord, then they're not benefiting from it, or at least they're not thinking they're going to benefit from it. So it's it's an oxymoron. Like you said, you cannot coerce goodwill or anything good for that matter mm -hmm. um okay continuing here he writes in china germany france russia singapore italy and the united states you are trying to ward off the virus of liberty by erecting guard posts at the frontiers of cyberspace these may keep out the contagion for a small time but they will not work in a world that will soon be blanketed in bit bearing media your increasingly obsolete information industries would perpetrate themselves, I'm sorry, perpetuate themselves by proposing laws in America and elsewhere that claim to own speech itself throughout the world. These laws would declare ideas to be another industrial product, no more noble than pig iron. In our world, whatever the human mind may create can be reproduced and distributed infinitely at no cost. 
The global conveyance of thought no longer requires your factories to accomplish. So again, back to that idea we talked about at the top of the show, we've just moved. And I think this goes a long ways to explaining all of the tumult we're seeing in the modern age is that we've moved from a world with a few information distribution channels or media channels, if you want to call them that, to one in which any individual human with access to the internet can be a media channel or an information distribution channel in and unto themselves. Uh, sovereign individual called this the move from uh, broadcasting from was it from broadcasting to narrow casting? Is that what it was? Where instead you had these this kind of one to many media model, we now have a many to many media model. And that's much harder to control. Like, how do you control that? It's it's damn near impossible, as we're seeing with all the, the veil of of bullshit being lifted in the world on different things, right? Pharmaceuticals, central banking, uh, WikiLeaks, you know, the list goes on and on and on of of how truth is being revealed more quickly in the digital age. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like back in the early days of of cinema and and movies. Uh, there, there were like uh, boards of decency to to watch every movie and and give it a, a parental rate on on you know like how old should be the people who watch these movies and mm -hmm. and you can you can attempt to do that in a broadcast media right? um and and now with the internet and the telecommunications act they were trying to do the same thing for this this narrow casting mm -hmm. um, where the many to many interactions and Barlow is simply pointing out like barely worked back then and it for sure is not going to work now mm -hmm. uh, so what you're doing is pointless it is against nature and you cannot fight nature and, yeah, and you know like like that there's these uh, they they try to erect these guard posts uh, at the frontiers of cyberspace and they can they may keep out the contingent for a small time but they will not work in a world that will soon be blanketed in bits and bear, bit bearing media mm -hmm. so th this just means that and, and so similar to bitcoin right they are trying so hard at the frontiers of cyberspace, at, at yeah. the place where you can exchange, for example, your fiat to Bitcoin. They yes. try so hard yeah. with so many guard posts and regulations and treating anyone like a criminal and demanding full surveillance over how much Bitcoin are you buying and, and where are you keeping them and why are you doing that, right? Uh, in order to delay the inevitable, but mm -hmm. they can at most delay it, and most likely the the uh, the, the the fearful and and uh, hysterical clinging on to the powers that are left will squeeze those in the fiat realm so much that they will the, even the faster uh, look for alternatives that are more free and more prosperous. So uh, it they might delay it for for a small time. Um, but uh, I, I think that at, at some point, the, the doors will break and the, the onslaught of, of freedom-loving individuals who, who claim their own rights back in cyberspace with strong encryption, with Bitcoin, etc., uh, will, will simply be overwhelming. Yeah, wonderfully said. It's really an attempt to fight the tide, so to speak. Yeah. And I'm reminded of... Uh, when the Gutenberg printing press emerged and the church at first ignored it, then eventually they tried to censor the printing press. And then that led to more books being printed about how to construct the printing press. Like you try to, you know, it's the, it's the anti-fragile thing. You try to cut off one head and you, you know, three more pop up and it's just, it's basically unstoppable. It also reminds me of that meme of the guy that's like mopping at the beach 
you know, he's like trying to mop up all the water at the beach. It's like, you're just, it's so pointless. This thing is, it's, it's everywhere and nowhere, right? It's liquid. So how are you going, you can't erect these barriers to stop it. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's very, very interesting that way. Yeah. Uh, you want to read this and, last piece? They, curious and, how? Oh, they, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. They, they claim to own speech itself throughout the world. Hmm. And so like two preposterous things. First, you claim to own speech, not the speech of yourself, but the speech of others. And not just those within your vicinity, but those on the other side of the planet. Like how ludicrous that is. Uh, it, it, it's baffling. And the exact same argument now, 20 years later, can be made with Bitcoin. Right? Bitcoin is just speech. The, yes. the Bitcoin code base, the Bitcoin transactions, the Bitcoin mining, it's all simply speech. It's just reproducing information. And trying to claim that a, that a select few individuals have the, the ownership over the speech of others on the other side of the planet is even more preposterous now than it was 27 years ago. Yes. Yeah. Beautifully written. Um, I will read, I guess, the last passage here to carry us out. These increasingly hostile and colonial measures place us in the same position as those previous lovers of freedom and self-determination who had to reject the authorities of distant, uninformed powers. We must declare our virtual selves immune to your sovereignty, even as we continue to consent to your rule over our bodies. We will spread ourselves across the planet so that no one can arrest our thoughts. We will create a civilization of the mind in cyberspace. May it be more humane and fair than the world your governments have made before. Uh, the thing that really jumped out to me there is in the beginning where he's saying those previous lovers of freedom and self-determination who had to reject the authorities of distant uninformed powers this whole idea of restoring skin in the game, just individuals being responsible for the consequences of their actions, right? It's such a simple idea. Mm. Um, we, you know, pre-fiat world, leaders used to lead from the front, right? Like Napoleon would lead his troops into battle from the front, you know, the Alexander the Great, etc. But now we have people leading battles from the back, right? Generals in Washington, D.C. that are, you know, authorizing drone strikes in the Middle East, for instance, right? Hiding behind layers of bureaucracy and ocean and et cetera. They're not, you know, those individuals that are executing the actions are not exposed to the consequences of their actions, right? If they misstep or mess up, they're not the ones dying in battle. There's other people dying for them. I think that's a real problem, right? When you start to disconnect actors from the consequences of their actions, you get really perverted consequences. And it seems like in cyberspace and like we talk about with Bitcoin being basically radical responsibility, you know, not your keys, not your coin as one uh, aspect of that. It's reconverging actors with their actions and the consequences of their actions. And I think that's very important for creating a free and functional world. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and again, this is not a, that is not a new thing. It is Moses leading the slaves out of Egypt. It is uh, Washington Jefferson declaring independence from an a, a old and remote British king. Mm -hmm. It is the early cypherpunks declaring the independence of cyberspace. And it is Satoshi declaring the independence of money. Uh, all of these are the, the, the trend in the same direction towards the same goal. And we must... We must declare our virtual selves immune to your sovereignty. It is a moral and ethical obligation to defend yourself because that defends not just you individually, that defends humanity as an ideal and as an aspect. Mm. And when humanity is being trampled upon and spit in the face, then we have a duty to declare ourselves immune and to ensure that sovereignty and tyrants do no longer have power over us. When strong encryption is available to protect your speech, when Bitcoin is available to protect your money, and you are not using this, uh, it is a, a it, it is a, a insult to humanity and what we could achieve if we would enforce the obsolescence of theft. Beautifully said. Uh, I'm reminded too of the Gandhi quote when. I'll paraphrase, when the state has become lawless or corrupt, then civil disobedience becomes a sacred duty, right? We are bound to the preservation of our species. <laughs> like, this is no joke. Um, so, yeah, this is a wonderful piece of writing. Uh, very short, very poetic, but um, very on point. Mm. And, and this, this final sentence in the paragraph, we'll, we will spread ourselves across the planet so that no one can arrest our thoughts. And again, this is peer-to-peer -peer technology. This is BitTorrent so that nobody can stop thoughts from being spread. And this is Bitcoin where nobody can stop a money issuance uh, to be stopped. And it's also Bitcoin multi-signature where the, the spending of a coin cannot be stopped. And that is... That is that that is absolutely wild, mm. right? So we are creating a a civilization of mind in cyberspace. Uh, there there has not been a, a civilization before, uh, if 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 you think about it, with with the amount of theft that was not just possible but that was encouraged. However, in cyberspace where where theft has become impossible, that means that civilization can rise to an extent that we have never seen before. And 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 the final sentence as is 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 hopeful and and cautious uh, mm. that that hopefully it may be more humane and fair than the world your governments have made before. Mm. And I think with with the uh, economic and and ethical and and philosophical rigor of the arguments provided in this piece, I think that hope of a more humane and fair future is a bright one. Agreed. And that is a great place to put a button on it. Max, thank you for recommending this piece. I think this fits perfectly into the series. And thank you again for doing this. Yeah, uh, thanks, Rob, for, for the continued conversations. I, I really enjoyed a lot. I love these long-form dialogues, and I hope the, the audience does too. Uh, this is a, a quite fascinating piece. And, you know, in preparation... To, to this, I, I didn't find a, a like in-depth analysis of, of what this all means. So I'm quite happy that we got this on record and, and hopefully it's it's something yeah, useful and valuable for others. Indeed. Until next time, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye.